Hello and welcome to the Grounded Families podcast. My name is Julia Goodall and this is a podcast for all families navigating life, relationships and wanting a little bit more joy in their everyday lives. Hi, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about relationships. I wanted to talk about how we first experience relationships um, and then how those early relationships kind of bleed into all of our other relationships how they influence our choice of partner, how they influence the way that we um, negotiate things within that partnership, how we parent, how we experience ourselves in the world and other people in the world. Let's dive into that. So our first relationships are incredibly, incredibly important in the sense that they, they form kind of a map for the way that we understand all later relationships. And of course, this is a malleable thing. So it can change, but it is, it is something that unless you actively seek to change it, um, that it's pretty stable over time. And so the relationship that we have with whichever caregiver we have, so this doesn't necessarily have to be a mother. It can be a father or um, a grandmother or somebody entirely outside of our um, family of origin, but whoever becomes our primary caregiver will form the base of this important relationship. And this will be also shared within um, shared partnerships. So if you're parenting together, then that, of course, makes a difference as well. And basically, we are so adaptable within relationships and children are yeah, just incredible in the way, in the way that they adapt to the world around them, even from, um, like in, from infancy. And what happens essentially is that Babies rely on us or some caregiver for their survival. And so they will adapt their behavior according to the way that we meet them and meet their needs. So in kind of dramatic examples of that, where things are really difficult in a caregiving relationship and a caregiver is distant or um, unavailable in some way, then that might show up in a, in a child who... Um, that presents with an avoidant attachment style. Now, I don't want to get too caught up in the technical details of this, but there are all sorts of attachment styles. Um, there's a secure attachment, um, and then there are other forms of attachment that can be secure and avoidant or, um, or as far down the line as disorganized. But I don't think it's important to get too stuck on that in the beginning, um, but just to say that those attachment styles, while... They do provide a map for us. They are they are something that we can work on and change. And sometimes what happens is even in adult relationships, if somebody with an insecure um, attachment pattern um, is in an intimate relationship with somebody in, with a secure attachment pattern, that this can actually shift the person in the insecure attachment pattern into a more secure um, way of attaching. So... Yeah, it's a changing fluid thing. So I think it's important not to get too stuck around the labels and the um, the categories of these. But essentially just to say is that these patterns and the way that we've been responded to by our caregivers um, will shape so much of the way that we do conflict and the way that we just present ourselves in the world. So there is a really uncomfortable cliche that people often bring to therapy around their partners and around their partners in some way being similar to a parent, either a father or a mother. 
and and people seem to feel enormous discomfort around this as if they've somehow kind of unconsciously chosen to marry their one of their parents and i don't i don't view this in the kind of edible complex way but but to think of it in the sense of of familiarity i think that feels more useful to people and less threatening and um yeah something that they can relate to a little bit more so basically we will we will be attracted to and drawn to um people who are familiar to us in some way and that can be in the way that they present or it can be the way that we feel within an interaction with them so it's not necessarily about them but a what but our position within that interaction with them and so so often i sit with clients and couples um who say you know i was so attracted to them and this is 10 years down the line and i just can't really remember why we are together and and what it is that drew drew us to each other um and sometimes what can happen is that if people have had attachment patterns which have been insecure and problematic for them and then they've moved and they've changed and they've parented and they find themselves in very different ways of relating later on and sometimes that shift happens together with a partnership and sometimes it happens with one person and and less with the other and it can feel like there's suddenly this this kind of gap between them that they find really difficult to bridge and also some of the things that had felt really familiar become the the very things that are most problematic within the relationship and people find this um quite sort of maddening they find it really irritating that you know how have they walked into this relationship that in essence is something that they're replaying from their their childhoods and and again it's not necessarily that they are replaying it but that there has been something familiar about it and there's been a repetition within that um and again i encourage people not to get too stuck in this and stuck in the the categorizing of things but rather to sit sit in it in a in a more fluid and playful way and get curious about okay so what are the ways in which you really butt up against each other what are your points of conflict what are your kind of pain points here and um so often people will tell me that these are the things that initially attracted me to this person but um now they drive me wild <laughs> i can't i can't tolerate this anymore um and it will often be that this has been a sticking point throughout throughout their relationship and they just keep coming back to it and back to it so sometimes what you what's useful within the situation is actually for couples to have some of their own work separately and then to come back um and look at things again when they are less triggered and it feels less evocative for them because sometimes when you're in such a like an activated or triggered state because of so much early experience that hasn't been processed or hadn't hasn't even been looked at that it's really difficult to then connect to somebody else in a meaningful way when you're in that state because you feel so vulnerable and so raw um and it just doesn't feel like a safe place to be and so people really kick against it and it can even affect the way that couples will remember sessions that they could be in such a kind of volatile state that they um find it difficult to go back to that place when we revisit it in later sessions and what it what it shows is that their arousal levels have been so high that their memory has has been affected essentially So the point of this is that it's really important to look at the things 
that you could work through on your own. So what are, what are the issues that are mine? What are the issues that are my partners? And what are the issues that we co-create together? So what are the things that we, that are unique to us and really kind of hook into each other? Um, and to kind of put these into different camps so that you're not overwhelmed with what you're looking at. Um, and with the, the parts about why we've chosen particular partners again not to get too hung up on that but just to to think a little bit about okay well this is interesting um parts of him or her are familiar to me and um this is likely why I'd walked into this relationship and I don't think that that means that the relationship necessarily has to come to an end um or that once you've processed those things the relationship can no longer work it just means that it's a, a point of vulnerability and a point of work that's that's all it means so try not to catastrophize what what these familiarity points mean another part of which people often come to me is that they've moved into a different life stage so people often present for couple therapy when they have had children so often I'll see people who've had two or three kids and life has slowly started to settle down and feel more for kind of normal again um, and suddenly they wake up and realize that they're completely disconnected or that they are parenting kind of in in opposite ways and they're just not really living on the same page at all um, and this disconnect can happen in terms of communication, in terms of connection, in terms of intimacy and sex. Um, and so they can come for all sorts of reasons like that. We often go through a process, again, of looking at, okay, what are our, what are our patterns? What are our familiar relational styles? Um, and how can we use those? So this is, these are kind of the resources that we have. What, how can we do this so that your needs are heard and met and my needs are, are heard and met as well? Um, and people find that really containing to know that you don't have to be a different person for this relationship to work, but just that something around our um, connection and communication needs to be shifted or um, have some movement in it again. Um, and so we'll work through really practical things. So people will bring um, just things from their day to day life. And we'll look at those as examples because often those will relate to how they experience themselves within the world. Some of what can be useful here is almost um, starting again and introducing each other and not in a kind of cringy way of, hi, my name's so-and-so, but to really begin to look at them as people again and not just as parenting partners or as kind of flatmates and... I think it's really important to start to consider people as whole people again, is that sometimes when we are parenting and working um, and can feel quite fractured, that we stop looking at each other as whole people um, and we just start to see parts of each other. So some of this getting to know each other again, we I try to be light about this. So it can be kind of the really unsexy version of speed dating and you are really getting to know somebody again um, there's so many holes in, in communication often by this stage because there is zero time and space to be a couple. You are parenting and working and um, doing so much outside of the house. And once people start to get to know each other again, that's actually when often we get into conflict and get into kind of grief sometimes around how the relationship has, has thinned away during the past few years. 
and um, people can often in this state, when they start to feel connected, start to feel vulnerable, then start to feel really angry that they've been on their own or, or felt on their own um, for huge parts of parenting and just life. Um, and so this can be a point of huge conflict that often then takes a while to, to work through. Um, but it's an important, again, sort of getting to know each other and getting to know each other's position and each other's like perspective on things. Cause I think we can get so stuck in our own sometimes and imagine that other people's perspective matches ours. And if, and if it doesn't, we're often, you know, mystified as to why that is. But it's also sometimes a more tender getting to know you because our bodies are not the same and our our minds are not the same. We're, we're not the same people that we were pre-children. And, um, and when people met and when you connected and had time to travel and be hugely spontaneous <laughs> and read all the books and watch all the movies and, and have all the dinner parties. And I, I think that it's it, – it's different and something about working around expectations is a huge part of that work. So um, examining what we imagine relationships should look like um, versus what they actually do look like and, and making peace with that around, okay, so what, what do we need this relationship to look like? What do we wish it looked like? Um, and what are we comfortable living with it looking like? I think that can be quite healing for people as well as to to really start to dig into societal norms around what relationships should look like, particularly post children, and that they should continue to be, you know, um, hugely romantic and connected and without any sort of separation. And I think that that to me often just feels wildly unfair to our relationships that, I mean, even pre-children, it it doesn't look like that. And it's really important to examine what sort of societal um, structures impose on us and impose on our relationships. Um, They often have a very romantic view of what this connection looks like. Um, And it's often conflict-free and just kind of being in a blissful state from day to day which in reality is just never the case. I've just never met a couple that function in that way. Yeah, so then we often work into conflict and communication, and this will be around, again, um, early patterns of conflict, how people experience conflict, um, how the culture and, and their kind of family of origin of conflict worked. So was it was conflict encouraged? Was it like a shameful thing? Was it um, conflict you were never allowed to argue with your parents or was conflict kind of very one-sided? Was it, did it feel threatening? Did it feel um, argumentative or was it open that you could disagree comfortably with each other? Um, you could have feelings comfortably with each other and no one would would withdraw from you or punish you in some way. So we dig into those sorts of things. And again, that's often quite a, a vulnerable point for people. Um, and then deciding on your own patterns of conflict. So what's comfortable for you? What, um, what do you need within conflict? How do you establish safety within conflict? Um, and how going forward can people make their needs known, um, or be angry with each other in a safe way? Um, and if there are points at which that safety is broken or that connection is lost momentarily as it, as it will be, 
um, then teaching couples how to repair and how to reconnect with each other as opposed to then just sort of drifting off and, and being separate again because they're unsure about how to kind of claw their way back and how to come into the room and say, I'm really sorry, I, I really shouldn't have said that or I was so angry when this happened and um, yeah, here I am. I want to reconnect with you. So yes, so that is a, a pretty kind of diluted version of what we would do um, in couple sessions and um, and in couples work. And this can happen over a period of um, a few weeks or it can happen over a period of a few years, depending on all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I think I will leave it there. The next conversation I want to have will be about conversations and communication. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. All of our show notes are on the website and please do like and subscribe and leave a review. It really helps other people to find us. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye.